0: Well, we're uh, on the last part of our series on Saved. Believe it or not, we've been on this series for 10 months. 10 months we've been on the series uh, Saved. And uh, today, I just, we really want to kind of just summarize things. Uh, and so we called this the Saved Finale, or is it? Uh, because really, how many of you know if you're saved, it's not really the finale? It's just kind of the beginning. What, you know, where do we go from here? I asked the staff, uh, basically, you know, what did you like a uh, love about the save series? And so I just want to tell you a few things that they said. So Matt said, to me, it's just the awareness that is taking place among uh, people's hearts regarding the Holy Spirit and seeing many of our young people embracing God and in turn seeing their families come to know God. So we're starting to see families that are coming to the church because of their kids coming to our youth group. And so those families, some of those are making commitments to the Lord. It's been amazing, so that's something that uh, Matt was thankful for. For Peter, the Holy Spirit Saturday was a highlight for me. We had three people sign up when we first announced it, and then 76 ended up coming out. Uh, I anticipated that people were afraid of the Holy Spirit, but the day proved me wrong. So many people were longing for a greater experience of the Holy Spirit. It was beautiful. There are now testimonies of people overcoming fear, anger, anxiety, people experiencing a supernatural sense of peace and joy. Candace, our site pastor in Rochester, uh, whose daughter, of course, this last year has been going through uh, just real trials in the area of sickness and blood disorder, so you can keep praying for her. But this is what Candace said, the Save Series could have not come at a better time in my life. I know that God knew I needed to be reminded of everything that had been given and that he has achieved for me and for my daughter through salvation while walking through this valley. No matter what happens, because I am saved, I know at the end of the day, I am loved, God is with me, and my future is guaranteed. Maddie, our site pastor in Bonacord, said, thankful for the increased awareness of our unity in the body and the Holy Spirit's role in that. Kate uh, she brought it right down to the pragmatic. She said, my favorite thing about the Save series is when we all wore the Save T-shirts. <laughs> Swag. Uh, we, all <laughs> we all had publicly displayed that we were saved, and we wore the T-shirts. Everybody wanted one, too. And we walked around. We, we, you know, When we walk like that, that we are saved, everybody wants in. How many know that's true? When you walk like you're saved, when you live with God, you know, people will ask you questions. What's going on in your life? Why are you different? Why is your marriage different? Why are your kids different? Those are good things. Well, for some of you, maybe not. But think about that. The Lord will give you wisdom. (laughs) Rick said, I like it. In the Save series, when we were saved to see, we started by seeing and having a vision of Jesus. With that seeing, the church came together in prayer, intercession, and in worship. You know, um, you can think about what you were thankful for as we went through the Save series. But, I, you know, I... I had kind of an interesting day last week. Uh, I tend to try and do this once a week, but um, I don't always get that, that to, ha- to have that experience. But I just sat quietly in the presence of the Lord, and I asked him a question. I said, Lord, what, what did you love about the Saved series? And you know, you know God talks? Oh, by the way, did Pastor Matt mention that we were learning how to hear the voice of God? Yeah, okay, well, just letting you know, that's a really good book for that. So I asked the Lord, what are you thankful for? What, you, what did you love about the series? You know, it was interesting. The first thing I really felt impressed in my heart was that people who are looking to me for help was actually the first answer. Do you know what God actually loves it when we stop looking to ourselves and stop looking to the world and just start looking to him? You know, what an incredible thing. I, I, that kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't what I was expecting to hear. The second thing I heard was obedience. And, uh, you know, 76 people coming out to the Holy Spirit Saturday and increase between 20 and 40 people coming out for prayer on Wednesdays. How many of you know that's awesome? You know, I have a a dream and a vision and a burden to see prayer increasing and increasing and increasing in this church. And I I believe we're seeing that. And uh, that's so incredible. I think people caring for one another and for praying for one another is another thing I felt impressed about. People not growing weary and doing good. You know, there's lots of stuff going on in our building program, lots of stuff going on in our education, our Christian education. But I felt God saying, you know what, I'm just so thankful, I'm so appreciative of people that are not giving up, not growing weary in the good that they're doing. And the last one I really felt was people realizing that I'm coming soon and their priorities are shifting. I thought that was interesting as well. So God loved the Save Series. We loved the Save Series. I'm going to skip a stone across what we've been talking about. And I believe today, I believe today that the Holy Spirit wants to impart something to this church. And so I want you to be open to that. Amen? I want you to be open. Uh, At the end of the service, we're going to pray just for the Holy Spirit to come and to give you a greater sense of His presence Uh, a greater openness to his moving, a greater openness to the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, the grace of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we're going to pray for that. But why don't we start by praying right now before we jump into uh, just skipping the stone across what we've been talking about because there's things that you need to be reminded of and to take out of today. So Father, thank you. Thank you that we are saved. Hallelujah. We're saved not because of our good works. We're saved not because of anything that we have done to deserve it. We are saved because of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we are saved because of your love. We are saved because of your grace and your faithfulness to mankind. And so God help us today to have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you, Lord. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, because we need to know you more and we need to know you better. I pray that the eyes of our heart would be opened, Father, that we might see the hope to which you have called us, O God, that we might see the glorious inheritance that is ours because we are saved. And God, we might know the incredible power that is available for those who believe and who call out to you in this hour, we pray. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, we are saved. We talked about at the beginning of our series that we are saved to see. We're saved to see God clearly and correctly, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. And then we're saved to believe what we just saw. How many of you know you can see God, you can see and experience things from God, but then you have to believe it. You have to learn how to take a hold of it And then you're saved to demonstrate those things that are in the kingdom of God. And we're gonna talk about those three things. But I want you to know, it starts off really simple that you and I are saved from some things. How many of you know that? You are saved from sin. You are saved from death. You are saved from hell. You are saved from the grave. You are saved from that which kills, robs, and destroys lives. You are saved from those things. But not only are you saved from things, but you are saved for things. You are saved to demonstrate the kingdom of God. You are saved to show forth the, the light and the hope and the grace and the peace and the power that come to those who are in relationship with God. You are saved to be healing ambassadors in this world. You are saved to show strength in your weakness. You are saved to, to break forth in every area of your life and begin to see a greater. You know what? Your marriage might be an F minus, but I'm telling you, you're saved so that next year it'll be a D. You're still failing. But God is with you and you are saved to see that marriage grow and increase and get better. Are you hearing me? This is what it means to be saved. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. It means that you are perfectly united to the perfect one. That's your hope. That's your peace. You're saved for the sake of your families. You know, we've seen that. We've talked about that. That that the people are coming to know God because their families have come to know God. Incredible. And I'm going to tell you this one. This one's not popular. We heard it today. You're saved to suffer. You're saved actually to understand that you're going to go thring, through things in this life. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through things that are difficult. That's part of being saved, but hanging on to God, understanding that God is with you in the midst of that. He's for you and not against you, but to understand that's part of life. And you're saved to bring hope to the hopeless. There's so many things that we are saved for. We're saved to be God's friend in the here and now and forever and forever. And forever. I love this scripture. This is the scripture that we used at the very beginning of the series. And it, it, write this on your fridge magnet, I don't know, carve it onto a stove, something, I don't know. Here goes this, 2 Chronicles six forty one. Now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Do you know what God's resting place is, church? It's in you. (laughs) That's the intent and the heart of God. That God comes and rests in and upon the saved. He, he, He wants to demonstrate His kingdom in you and through you. Do you understand that you are clothed in salvation? You've been clothed in salvation. And so that clothing is what you, when you go forward and you live in this world, God wants you to understand that you are the hope of this world. You are the light of this world. This is what God sees when he sees you and he sees me. Why is it so hard then sometimes to act like we're saved? Because we need to understand and we need to be reminded. Number one thing is we are saved to see correctly and to see clearly. You know, the single most important thing about your life that you need to understand is your idea about God. Nothing shapes your life more than your idea about God. You think about our world today. You know, who is God to the this, people in this world? Is he distant? Is he non existent? Is he? You know, everybody has an idea about God, but your idea about God shapes so much of your reality. And so much of the way we relate to God and relate to one another is the way we see God and we see ourselves. And so the ability to see correctly is so cru- cru- crucial. Why? What's, what is your picture of God when life breaks in around you? We know that we're going to suffer. We know that we're going to go through hard times in this life. But Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome. What is your picture of God when life breaks in around you? You know, I I want you to understand something. You're going through things that is common to all mankind. I can't imagine living my life in this world today without a relationship with God. I, I don't know how people do it. I think the only way they can do it is because there's a common grace that covers even people who don't know God. God still covers them. You know, one of the things when I was um, going through in the last eight years in my battle with MS, I'm going to tell you, part of the journey uh, was just this pursuit of healing that was tenacious. Uh, You know, fasting and praying and doing everything I thought I had to do in order to receive my healing. But what ended up happening is I ended up drifting further and further and further away from this God that I've always known. And it was just like, where are you, God? I, I can't hear you anymore. I can't see you. I, you know, you're, you're distant. You're far away. And, and it really, it started to deeply concern me. I'm like, well, I don't know what I've done wrong or I don't know what to do to f- make things right. But you know what was amazing is when I got away a few years ago, just for, if you recall, I took a course for about two years on personal discipleship. And uh, just that quiet time with the Lord began to, God began to reveal to me that my picture of him was wrong. And that was quite an awakening thought for a pastor. How many of you know that's not very comforting for you to hear that? Your pastor has a wrong picture of God. Uh, But you know, sometimes when you go through difficult things, then it tests your reality. It tests what you see to be true about God. And so I think that, you know, I began to see God as distant and uncaring, and not present in my situation, which was very wrong and very untrue. And I'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. How about you? How do you see God? Because to see God, you know, when you are saved, uh, part of my my journey of being a, a born again believing person is that uh, God began to rewrite my understanding of who He was. And that happens still to this day. It goes on and on and on. And so I want you to understand that. You know, that's why I prayed this morning for the eyes of your heart to be opened, that you might know the hope to which God has called you, that you might see Him clearly and correctly. Because here's the first thing you need to know if you're going to see God God is always greater and better and bigger than what you see. He's always more, (laughs) He's always Moorish. You see, who's the God that you see? He's the God that is for you and not against you. He's the God of love and compassion and mercy. He's the God that is the shelter in the time of storm. He's the God who walks with you even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of the death. And even, you know, he's the God that is with you. You know, he prepares a table, a banqueting table before you even in the presence of your enemies. That's who this God is. You know, he's the God who who camps around you, even though you go through trials and temptation, through every fear and every failure, every high, every low, every doubt, every worry. He's there. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He is God. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. He's bigger than you think he is. He's better than you think he is. He's brighter than you think he is. He's more than you think he is. That's the God who's chosen you, the God that's called you his own, the God that has numbered the very hairs on your head, the God who, who says, I, I choose you, and I pick you out of this world, and I want you to be my son, my daughter. I have called you by name. I have not forgotten you. I have not abandoned you. I'm right here, right now. That's who that God is. You know, when I was away, again, at my course, and the Lord began to re- really reveal to me That I was missing, you know, I was just not seeing correctly who he was. And uh, I I, I did a silence retreat uh, for about 24 hours. And it, it sounds hilarious, but try being silent for 24 hours. No cell phones. Just quiet. You know, when you get quiet, God actually gets noisy. It's crazy. So I, I was in my silence retreat, and I, I, part of it was we, I was alone in my room, and I just I had a vision. And uh, I'll tell you what the vision was. I saw this little child, and this little child had this, like, robe on, and it was, like, brown, and, and it was kind of dirty and, you know, filthy. And, the, and I could tell the little child, you know, was all alone, and he was crying. And, uh, and then, and, you know, it, it, this, it was not a pretty picture. And then all of a sudden I saw this torso of a, this strong, strong person holding this child. And the child was like upset and, uh, you know, really not wanting to be held because it felt abandoned. It felt forsaken. It felt like its father had forgotten. You know, it's kind of like a kid. If you've ever lost a kid in a mall and they're crying... And then the father comes and picks them up. It's like at first they're, they're crying and they're kind of sobbing because now they've been found, but they start hitting their dad still because you, you lost me. You know? And so I, that's the picture I had. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me saying, Greg, you, you're that little boy. You think that I've forsaken you and that I've left you. But I haven't. And, and what was amazing to me was that this little boy, as he, as he struggled against the father's arms, I'm going to tell you something. It was an unbreakable grip. I can't even describe to you the absolute envelopment of the love and the strength of God that held that little boy. And as that little boy was being held and he began to sob and he began, then he began to lay against the breast of the, of the torso of this body that I could see and he was wearing a white robe and it had gold infringements. And I remember I had that dirty old brown robe on. And then suddenly as I was sobbing and hope being held by this father, this immovable arms of love, suddenly my robe changed and it began to match the robe of my father. And then it began to have the gold infringements. And then I began to look up and I could see that I had changed. That my father, and the whole time God was holding me, are you hearing me? Unbreakable love. And, and I'm telling you guys, you know, we have a wrong picture of God sometimes. And even, you know, we need to go through some hard times sometimes to show us that. So that God can repair the damage in our soul of what we have misunderstood him to be and who he's like. You see, God is always greater than you think he is. He's always more. He's always bigger, church. Amen? You know, Moses, he, he walked with God for 80 years. And, he, you know, the Bible says he stood face to face and spoke to God as a You know, a friend speaks to a friend. There was a veil, a cloud that was separating them, but he was that close to God. And, and, and then God, he says, God, I want to see your glory at one point in his life. And God reveals to him his glory. Remember, he's been his friend for 80 years. And, and the, Moses' words are mind-blowing. You can find them in Deuteronomy 3.24. He says, O sovereign Lord, you have only begun to show me your greatness and the strength of your hand to save your servant. Is there any, any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you? That scripture makes me so happy. Because Moses said, God, I thought I knew you. I'm your friend. I've been talking to you for 80 years, man. Like we're hanging out and you just, you, you lift the veil a little bit and you reveal your glory to me. And I realize I've just begun to know you. Guys, you're not going to come to the end of God and say, well, what's next? No, no, no. He's big. He's way bigger than we give him credit for. He's way more, church. He's way more awesome, way more incredible. We look at the things in this world and we go, oh God, where are you? God is not moved by these things. He's seen them coming all along. It's all good. You're okay. You're in his arms. He's bigger, he's kinder, he's gooder than you've ever imagined. Here's the second thing, if you ever wonder what God is like. is God is Christ-like And in him there is no unchristlikeness at all. Why is that important to hear? Because Jesus was pretty awesome. Jesus was pretty incredible. Jesus came to undo the works of Satan, Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came to deliver those who were in bondage to death. Jesus came to love the unlovely. Jesus came to to befriend the sinner. That's who he is. And if you ever doubt God's goodness, just look at Jesus. Jesus is the one who, when the prostitute or the woman is caught in adultery and she's about to be stoned to death, and all the men are holding stones over her and they're about to crush her skull with these stones. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, the law of Moses says that this woman should be stoned. What do you say? They thought they had him because they they were saying, if he says kill her, then all this talk about love and loving people and being kind and being generous and being, you know, all those things, this will erase everything. And you know the story. Jesus says, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. The Bible says, From the oldest to the youngest, they drop their stones. They walked away, and the only one left was the woman cowering under the fear of all these men who were about to kill her, and Jesus writing on the ground. We don't know what he wrote, but I believe he wrote the sins of the men that were standing there. Imagine Jesus looks at you and starts writing a sin as he's looking at you. Drop stone, walk away. And then he says the incredible words Where are your accusers, woman? She says, There are none, they're all gone. He says, then neither do I accuse you. But then he says, go and leave your life of sin. See, this is a very important point I want to make right now. Uh, God is Christ-like, and in him there's no un likeness at all. You know, Jesus doesn't come so that we can continue to live in our sin. He didn't say, ah, go and sin, keep sin, and do whatever you want to do. He said, I've, I've set you free, so you no longer have to live in sin. You're free of sin. I'm giving you victory over sin. That's why in the, in the church today, church, we, we, we actually can't, we can't change the message of the gospel. I, I can't say, well, you're free to do whatever you want. You're free to rewrite what God says is wrong. You're, you're free to do that because culture says you're free to do that and the world says you're free to do that. I'm not free to do that. Because you know what? Jesus died for the sins of the world. He's certainly not going to empower people to continue to live in them. He's Christ-like. Here's the last thought about God. God is accessible. (laughs) He's right here right now. He's right in your stuff. He's right in your grill. He's right here. You didn't run him over the car. It's okay. He's just here now. He's in your stuff. He's walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not walking on the other side of the valley saying, you better come out of there. That's a lot of death. He's right there with you. told the staff this when I was studying Psalm 23, part of my course again I took was you're going to learn this to do this when festooning the word of God which is kind of just writing out what it means. And again when I was writing Psalm 23 you know that he creates this banqueting table for you in the presence of your enemy. And I, you know what I saw was myself in this valley and the enemy's all around me bombs are blowing up and Jesus has got this table set and he's like would you like another slice of roast beef? And I'm like ah! Jesus there's enemies he's not even concerned why? he's the king of kings and the lord of lords and I am in his hand and he says you want some roast beef and I said amen Jesus bring on the roast beef for you vegetarians think of something other than roast beef and the lord will give you wisdom on this and we'll pray for you church can you see him? Can you see him? Can you see that he is for you and not against you? Do you see that he overcomes those things that are coming against you? That's what you're saved to see. To see God correctly. But you're also saved to see yourself and others correctly and more clearly. You know, I think the vast majority of us, church... Uh, we don't have an overestimation of ourselves. I think we have an underestimation of ourselves. I think the vast majority of people actually, you know, when it comes to the Christian, to those that are saved, those who know God, you, you just, you, you have way too small of thoughts of yourself. I know I do. You're, you're awesome. <laughs> the Bible says that you're accepted by God. You're accepted right where you're at. Right with all of your junk and all your garbage. Not to live in your junk and your garbage, but to be set free from your junk and your garbage. But you're accepted. God, God chose you. I wouldn't have picked you guys. You wouldn't have picked me either. So don't feel bad. Do you understand? But God picked you. And he says, I, I accept you. And you're secure in the love of God. You're secure. Nothing can snatch you from my Father's hands. That's what Jesus said. I mean, those are pretty powerful words from the Son of God, right? I will never leave you or forsake you. Though your father and mother forsake you, I will never forsake you. That's pretty good news, Jesus. Your significance is amazing. You're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. You're a nation within a nation. You may be Canadian or American here today or some other nationality. But you know what? When you're born again, when you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, you're actually a nation within a nation. You are, you are of the kingdom of heaven. You are of the kingdom of God. And God has planted all these kingdom people, you and me, within the kingdoms of this world. And you know why he's done it? Because of your significance. You're the ambassador to those kingdoms. You're an ambassador to Canada. You're an ambassador to the nation That you're in. You're an ambassador to your school. You're an ambassador to your workplace. You're an ambassador to your neighbor. You represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See yourself more clearly, church. You have great, incredible power, incredible life, incredible anointing of the grace of God upon your life. And guess what? You're saved to see others more clearly as well. You know, you're living in a world of people that are broken and distorted. Do you understand that they have been created in the image of God, but that image has become marred? It's distorted. It's broken. And the world thinks that we're, we've got the solution. God's an idiot, and we know what to do to fix you. No, you don't. And until they come to a place of helplessness and hopelessness and brokenness, when they turn to God finally and reach out, you know God's going to say, I'm here for you. That's our message. You know, our message is not that we've got it all together and you should be like us. Our message is we are so wrecked, so derailed, so broken, yet God chose us, he put us back on the rails, and he's working on our life, and he's fixing things up, and it's amazing, and you can be in this too. That's good news. That's hope. You you guys think, "I I can't really witness to people, I haven't got it all together. That's the very thing why you should witness to people. That's your witness. I haven't got it all together, but man, I got a God who loves me, who is for me, and who is not against me. Wow. Everything you need, church, everything you need is in your hand already. Jesus has given you the keys of the kingdom. We just have to start learning how to unlock things and to use the keys we have, the keys of love, the keys of forgiveness, the keys of grace, the keys of prayer, the keys of worship, the keys, all the amazing stuff that God has given to you. So you're saved to see, but you're also saved to believe. You're saved to believe. Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, turn away from that and turn toward me repent and believe the good news. I mean, guys, this is crazy good news that God died for you. God sent his son to die for you. That is good news. That is unbelievable news. How can I possibly be true? Well, because God said it, and God did it. And he sent his son for you. That's who he is. That's what he's done. And we don't get it sometimes because the treasure that God has given us, the Holy Spirit within us, is veiled within jars of clay, Broken chip, marred jars of clay. You ever look at your life and realize, holy crow, I'm a kind of a jar with a l- bubble in the middle and it keeps me in balance. It's all good. Um, you carpenters, that was a joke for you. Keep the bubble in the middle. Anyway, um, <laughs> Kathy finally got it. It's good. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for laughing with me. You're You're a bunch of cracked pots. Why would God choose you? Because he's God. (laughs) It's what he does. We're unadorned. We don't see the glory that is within us. Yet there it is. Our treasure, the treasure of Christ in us is often veiled behind the mask of suffering and the different things that we go through in this life. It's why we need faith to believe the message. It's really what believers have struggled with all throughout the entirety of the entire Bible is, do I believe that this God is good? Do I believe that he is for me and not against me? Do I believe that even though I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, God's with me? Do I believe it? That's what it means to be saved. That's why we worship. You know, you come to worship a lot of times. Don't worry about the song. Don't worry about if you don't like the song. Don't worry about if you don't like the singer. It's not about you anyway. Meditate on that. The Lord will give you wisdom. (laughs) It's who you're talking about and who you're talking to. Amen? That's why, you know, I worshipped. I don't care what it is. Beautiful. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on. Turn your eyes upon. Yes, Lord. Why? Because I'm thinking about everything else. I'm thinking about going for dinner. And I'm thinking about, oh, God, help me to look at you. Open my eyes and my heart, Lord, because, man, I'm, I'm totally not even here right now, God. I'm thinking about football. I don't know. It's why we force ourselves to remember. Remember that God is good. You know, the Sabbath, we've talked about this in the past. Every, you know, the Sabbath is this time for the Jewish nation that they were to remember three key issues in their life all the time. They remember where they came from they were to remember god and they were remember where they're going every week that was part of the sabbath this is what you came out of you came out of slavery you came out of death you came out of hell you came out you know my kids I, my kids don't even know what i was like before i met jesus thank god i don't even know what i was like before i met jesus when i look at some people and i go oh that dirty rotten sinner look at that was me That was me. I was that guy. Come on now. We remember. And that's why we pray. You know, a lot of times we need to understand that you and I will stay, listen to me carefully, and this is not comfortable, uh, you will stay in the wilderness of your testing until you turn away from your incessant need to constantly turn away from God. You, you go through trials and stuff to see where you're going to turn to. Do you understand? That's what God does. He allows you to go through those tests to show you you keep constantly turning to the world. You keep constantly turning to your bank account. You keep constantly turning to God's saying, when are you going to learn? I, I will patiently walk with you around the mountain again. It's not a great song. She'll be coming around the mountain. That's not what you want to hear going on, chiming in the background of your life. (laughs) It means you're not going up. You're going around. Coming back around. We've already been here before. Yeah, I know. You know, I didn't answer the question, uh, my favorite part of the Save series. My favorite part, there's a couple of them. One of them is this, uh, that 20 to 40 people are coming to prayer every Wednesday. That, That just, I love it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Guys, Wednesdays are my busiest day of the week. I'm locked in my office preparing my message. I stay at work from, you know, whatever, nine in the morning right through to nine at night. So it's not like I have time to be at prayer meeting either, you know. And I pray all day during the day. We prayer meeting in the morning. You guys pay me to pray, so it's good. Thank you very much for that, by the way. But, I, you know, I, what I want to challenge you is just come to a prayer meeting once a month. That's doable for everybody in this church. One Wednesday a month, I can come to prayer meeting. Just putting it out there, pastor, you're making such demands. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, one of the great prayer meetings in the Bible uh, between God and Abraham, and I'll, you can go through this on your own in Genesis uh, chapter 18. So God is uh, he's talking with Abraham. He's with Abraham. A couple angels are with him. And uh, God says this. He says, should I reveal to Abraham what I'm about to do? They're raped right by Sodom. And the angels wisely don't answer because they know God's going to do what God's going to do anyway. And he says, you know, the sin of Sodom has come up. The, the, the sexual distortion of that culture has come up before me. And I'm about to judge Sodom. And so the angels leave and they move towards Sodom. Why? Because God has spoken judgment. And they're obeying the voice of God. Are you hearing me? But the Bible says this. Abraham stood in the presence of God. And after the angels left, then he began to talk to God. Listen to what he said. The men turned away and went to Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare that place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will you not judge all the earth, you who judge all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Now, the prayer meeting gets really interesting, and you can read it yourself. So then, emboldened, basically, Abraham goes, well, you know, I'm, I know I'm just dirt, God, but what if there's five less than 50? What if there's 45? And God's like, for 45, I'll spare it. And then it just becomes like, you know, it becomes like going to, like, an, you know, kind of prayer, pr- prayer is very interesting, it's not like thou is Lordest, thou Godeth. It's not. It's this guy like God. What if there's 40? God says, I'll spare it. What if there's 30? I'll spare it. What if 20? He gets down to 10. If there are 10 righteous people, I will spare the entire nation, the whole city. Wow. Do you know that God shows us sometimes things that he's about to judge or do because of his holy nature? Not so that we can sit there and say, you're right, God, judge him. Go, God. (laughs) Do you know that God actually shows us that we will intercede because his true heart is to bring that nation to repentance? That's his heart. His heart is not to judge. His heart is mercy. How do we know that? Because his son came and took all the judgment so that we could receive mercy. So God wants us to understand something that he's calling us to pray. You see, biblical prayer, guys, is impertinent, it's persistent, it's shameless, it's indecorous. It is more like the haggling of an oriental bazaar than the polite monologues of the churches. God. You know, you can read this again yourself in Revelation 8. God reveals the seventh seal is broken on the, on the, on the judgments. And God's about to judge the world But you know what's incredible? Uh, Something else comes before God. And the Bible says in Revelation 8 that the prayers of the saints are released as incense before the Lord. And then it goes on and says something that is the most staggering thought in the world. All of heaven goes silent for half an hour. Do you realize that you've been given the power to silence heaven? so that the Father can hear your petitions? (laughs) That is unbelievable. That God has given the church this kind of power that he will actually shh to the angels of God worshiping. Shh. My son is praying. My daughter is praying right now they're making intercession, wow, wow. You know, church, listen to me, history doesn't belong to anybody but the intercessors, those who will pray, who believe God for great things. Wow, I love it. You're saved to demonstrate, lastly. Our demonstration comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the band to come back up here again. We're going to sing that, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit, church. The Holy Spirit is your connection to God. The Holy Spirit is the one who dwells within you. The Holy Spirit is who you feel when you feel the presence of God. (laughs) That's who the Holy Spirit is. He is God himself. And he's within the believer. He has locked himself in believers. Crazy. Amazing. And God wants to burst out of you and demonstrate his kingdom in and through you. See, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But, you know, there's another scripture that Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, to give you righteousness, to give you peace, to give you joy in the Holy Ghost. There's the connection point. Amen?